Left. Right. All right, welcome back to Sip Talk. Tonight's episode, while very controversial, uh, also a very interesting topic when you get down to the history of abortion law. Right now, uh, surveys are showing that roughly 70% of Americans are in favor of keeping abortion law as it is. And the ones that want uh, abortion law repealed, basically making abortion illegal in the United States, are mostly the conservative religious. Um, but the Constitution does not bow to religion. So what's really happening now actually has very little to do with religion and more to do with Constitution law. So we really dig into this pretty deep. Uh, I beg you to listen to the whole podcast. We don't really come up with a conclusion. And uh, this, I think, content-wise, may be one of the best episodes we've done so far. Um, but listen on. Let me know what you think. Let me know what your opinions are on abortion law in the comments. And I'll see you guys on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. <laughs> Cheers. 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 We are live. Welcome to Sip Talk, episode 184. My name is Justin DiGiulio, out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosonator Boswell out of Charleston, South Carolina. James is a philosopher, an accountant, a referee, and a bartender. Very exciting mix of professions. Most exciting of all, of course, being an accountant. However, here today, we are not talking about accounting. We're not talking about bartending while we may have a couple of drinks and we are what's the other one we're not talking about refereeing yeah we're definitely not talking about refereeing although we might in certain <laughs> instances <laughs> depending on uh, how aggressive we get uh but we're talking a bit of philosophy and we are talking law today we are talking about repealing roe versus wade james we got we're ringing over here all right we got a lot to talk about let's uh let's put ourselves on vibrate here let's not let that be an interruption and uh, <clears throat> I thought I was on Do Not Disturb across the board. Apparently not. Uh, we're talking about abortion laws. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of the abortion laws, and th then we want to get into where we are today and what's happening in the country today. James, how's it hanging down there in sunny South Carolina? Oh, it's certainly sunny. We need some rain, man. You need rain? Yeah. Is there a forest fire warning? Uh, no. But... But it's just, dude, my yard is so dry. Ah, need some water in the yard. Speaking of uh, hydration, what are you drinking down there? Sierra Nevada, wild little thing. I think I got like three or four left. Nice. Now, those are, uh, those are pretty punchy beers. What's the alcohol content in that? Uh, it's got to be low. It's got to be like 5% or less. It's like It's got a lot of flavor to it, but it's light. Oh, I always thought the Sierra Nevada was... Uh... Was a heavier one, but maybe that's you're thinking not about IPA. So this is oh five point five, but right, you're not bad. But no, you're thinking about like the Sierra Nevada like pale ale or like some of their IPAs or stuff. This is a completely different style of brew. Got you. Well, I got a little Glenlivet. We'll enjoy that during the podcast. And uh, rice? <clears throat> no ice, actually, just a, a giant pour right here, right here. The Australian uh, nice, <laughs> I, nice. I, I, I drank uh, 
drank a little little bit last night actually while I was preparing for this podcast. I actually went into a, a kind of bad place because I don't know if you're familiar with the TV series. I think it's on Netflix. It's called The Handmaid's Tale. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I feel like we're headed that way. Are you so have you watched it? Because I haven't really no, watched it. No, I have it. not watched it. I'm yeah. just aware of the premise. Yeah, so I'm not much of a like series guy. It's just too much to get involved with. I can never uh, just uh, can never watch all the episodes in the series. So I just feel like I'm missing out. So I, I don't even try. But it's about this dystopian future where kind of women are seen as property and the, and women are regulated by the government. Women lose their rights. And we're talking about abortion laws. And w- women really just exist to produce children. Well. When we're talking about abortion rights and we're talking about eliminating rights to abortion, we are talking about women's rights predominantly. However, this afternoon I heard it described as an abortion is really a three-part decision, one in the woman, one in the man, and one in the unborn child. So they, 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 that perspective on abortion. Who said that? It was, I, ah, damn, it was on, uh, what's that, Oliver, uh, last night? today or last week tonight something like that oh john uh, oliver was, john oliver didn't say it but he was quoting somebody and it yeah yeah he was quoting probably somebody conservative i'm sure he was quoting someone uh conservative and uh I, that was just I, i'd never heard that perspective yeah but i mean if you want to make it if you want to make that argument then i you could make the argument that every decision i make is an eight billion part decision because what I do will ultimately affect everybody on the globe in some way. You're stretching it, but no, again, well, I'm this stretching is, it. This but is the where thing it comes, is like, but this is this is where it comes to our Supreme Court to discuss these things and figure out what's right for what's constitutional and what's appropriate for the American citizens. So, I wanna I wanna start. Say hi to Shihirada. I want to start uh, back in the 1960s. However, something I thought about getting into this is how we are trending right now in the U.S. when it comes to laws on the liberal end and on the right-wing end. The liberals, in my opinion, are making these crazy, crazy laws, and the right-wing is also making just as crazy laws, especially when it comes to abortion rights. Imagine, I don't think it's, any, it, it's not an equivalency, though. But my point is the laws that are being made. And the thing about laws is we, every day we create new laws, but we don't really repeal laws. right? Sometimes we update laws, but we don't really repeal laws. So it's, yeah, it's a tough way to think about it. But like, imagine you go to the beach one year and you see the sign on the beach is a bunch of laws in that sign the next year a bunch of rules of the beach on the sign next year you go and maybe something happened the summer before so they have a couple more rules added there's no glass uh, you know no alcohol there's no smoking there's no rough housing and then the year after that they add a couple more rules because some things happen but that sign on the beach is never shrinking right the, the sign is never shrinking some of them might be clarified but the sign yeah i get it Let's- the sign will okay all right so you but I heard somebody uh, make this uh, similarity call, and they said, imagine if you went into a coma in the, in the height of the Cold War, right, where this communist state, Russia, was uh, at odds with the U.S. If you woke up today, you, you might think that 
there's so much uh, communist influence and socialist influence over the U.S. that somehow we lost the Cold War or something happened. You wouldn't think that maybe necessarily we mm -hmm. beat communism and we beat on, socialism. On, on what grounds are they making that claim? Because I don't see it. On the grounds that there are so many laws that are that are encroaching on individual freedoms. That's that's kind of why I'm saying completely wrong. We we have these laws coming from the left and these laws coming from the right that mo the majority of people don't like. I and think we'll we're actually with, let's, more let's permissive start. as a society today than we were 60 years ago. Let's start with Roe versus Wade. What What's the percentage of Americans that are for keeping it in place? Somewhere between 65 and 70, I believe. So the, Which is a very large percentage of the population, much higher than any of the recent presidents have been elected by. By, so we have, well, a, yeah, by a lot. we have a majority of people that want to keep Roe versus Wade in place, yet we have a Supreme Court that is much more right wing and wants to repeal it. And so I'm seeing between 61 and 65 percent in the, the question straightforward. Should the Supreme Court overturn Roe v. Wade and overturn is about 27 to 31 percent. 63 to 65 percent say let it stand and then you've got between six and ten percent saying unsure so okay well look let's depending let's, on how you measure it that's anywhere between 65 to 73 percent support okay so let's let's backtrack a little bit and let's talk about how we got to where we are today what roe versus wade is and Let's start with how we got there. So, are you familiar with Griswold, Griswold Griswalk versus Connecticut? Griswold. Yeah, versus Connecticut in 1965. Yeah, that was the state of Connecticut made it that um, married couples could not have could not purchase contraception. Like contraception was effectively banned in the state. Okay, and that's like any form of birth control or even condoms. So you wouldn't be allowed to buy condoms in the state of Connecticut. And Yeah, that's wild. Think about that. I know. Well, the the Catholic Church was against condoms up until I think maybe the last 5 years or maybe less than 10 are, years. Are, are you sure they're not still against them? No, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure they're okay with condoms now. Um but uh Let's see. Let me just. So, to your uh, point about communism and winning and all that, sixty years ago, like there were states that you couldn't buy condoms. So, don't tell me that like we're more restrictive as a society now than we were well, sixty like, years ago. I, like I feel you, like you're we're cherry picking way. your data to make your to, to make your conclusions. And I'm not saying you. I'm saying the author of that statement. Well, but uh, but uh, I mean, back then we didn't have seatbelt laws. We didn't have helmet laws. There was there was considerably fewer laws. Is my point, and we're. You know, and again, they, right, they but the overall this. pattern of behavior that you were actually restricted from is less today than it was back then. And like also our quality of life compared to 60 years ago is demonstrably better. OK, so so, so let's I just want to talk real quick about about Griswold uh, in Griswold. The Supreme Court found the right to privacy derived from the penumbras of other explicitly stated constitutional protections. Penumbras are basically uh, uh, how it's described by, how it's defined by Merriam-Webster, a body of rights held to be guaranteed by implication of a civil constitution. So it's not explicitly stated, but they're saying it's kind of like shadowed, it's in the shadows that uh, that's the case. So 
let's see, derived from the penumbrums of other explicitly stated constitutional protections. The court used the personal protections expressly stated in the first, third, fourth, fifth, and ninth amendments uh, that found there was implied right to privacy in the Constitution. So really, it comes down to a right of privacy. Uh, and they're all, they also mentioned about the 14th Amendment. So the 14th Amendment is, is a really important one uh, because it, it basically makes it so that anything that's in the federal Constitution automatically applies to the states. Um, that came around after the Civil War because the settlers is like, well, it's in the federal Constitution, but we can do whatever we want as states. And the 14th Amendment said, well, no, not anymore. Um, but it also says, and this is really important, I want to get, because we'll get back to this. It says, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Um, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. I want to, I'll come back to that. Okay, so the statement, the, the ruling statement by Justice Harlan was, uh, I consider that this con Connecticut legislation, as construed to apply to these appellants, violates the 14th Amendment. I believe that the statute making it criminally, making it a criminal offense for married couples to use contraception is an intolerable and unjustifiable invasion of privacy under the conduct of the most intimate concerns an individual's personal life. So they're saying in somebody's personal life, they should be able to make these they, freedom of choices in, within their personal life. So let's, uh, let's for fast forward a little bit. We have this woman, Roe, who, who her name is not actually Roe, it's Norma McCovey. Uh, she sues Texas because uh, abortion was banned in Texas at the time. Texas won, and they appealed in federal court. Uh, during the appeal process, um, let's see. Uh, are you following my, my sheet, or you don't even have that in front of you? No, I just know these things. Okay. Keep going. Uh, under Nixon, uh, Judge Rehnquist and Judge Powell are sworn in in 1972. Now, prior to... Uh, the hearing of Roe versus Wade. Um, we had Rehnquist and Powell sworn in, and then we had Einstadt versus Baird. And that argues basically the same thing that Griswold argued, except for unmarried couples, because Griswold only ruled for that married couples had this protection of rights. Yeah, and that was a pretty easy case because they could just follow their precedent and be like, why does it matter if you're married? Exactly. So unmarried people have the same right to privacy under uh, the amendments, basically, uh, yep. under the penumbras of the amendments. <clears throat> so 1973, Supreme Court ruled that the Texas law was going to be struck down, Roe versus Wade. Uh, Roe wins, basically saying that women have the right to an abortion. <clears throat> no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive a person of the life, liberty, or property without the due process of law, as you said, nor deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of laws. So that means unmarried couples as well. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> right, and so the, really when, when this court was trying to decide this case, what they struggled with the most was just coming up with a set of rules that could be fair to apply and that's where they kind of settled on the three trimesters arrangement where in the first trimester you couldn't you couldn't restrict it at all in the second um, trimester you could restrict it um, 
based on like the health of the mother, and then in the third trimester, it could only be used um, if the mother's life were in danger. And that would be something like an ectopic pregnancy, or like if the the fetus dies in like the third trimester, and like it's required, like surgery is required to to get it out because otherwise it'll kill the mother. Those kinds of things where it has to like it has to be a medical event. It can't just be by choice. Um, and and so they that was most of what the hand wringing within the Supreme Court was about was coming up with a a fair standard to apply. And ever since that day, um, evangelicals have been have been fighting against this and trying to chip away at the protections afforded by Roe. And they 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 appear to be on the cusp of complete victory, really. And the problem, if you, if you have read the the actual draft opinion, the problem is not just saying like all right, we're going to allow more restrictions. This is throwing Roe v. Wade out entirely, and it's also throwing out the idea of these, quote-unquote, unenumerated rights, which the right to privacy, he just, um, Alito, who's the justice who wrote the opinion, says, the right to privacy is an unenumerated right. It's not mentioned in the Constitution. And so... If you look at all these other cases, so Griswold v. Connecticut is one, Loving v. Virginia, which is the Supreme Court case um, overturning state bans on interracial marriage. And I could keep on going, and later on in this cast we'll go to some of the other things. But all of those cases were founded on this same logic. So if he's throwing that logic out for abortion, then it's a really natural consequence for a state to want to ban contraception. They could just say, hey, you already threw it out for one thing? Like, follow your own precedent and throw it out for this too. Well, exactly. And that's and that's where this, they're basically, when I was talking about the penumbras, you're, that's that's talking about the, unenum- remind me the, the phrase you just used, unenumerated? Unenumerated rights. That so, means yeah, so, unnamed so right- rights. That, yeah, non-explicit, not explicitly stated in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And uh, Griswold, uh, along with Einstadt uh, and Roe versus Wade. Well, there's you... also Loving v. Virginia. I've heard Brown versus Board of Education, so se- like segregation in schools. But also Lawrence v. Texas, Obergefell versus Hodges. Um, Lawrence let's v. Into, Texas. Let's get back into the specifics of this stuff in 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 a little bit because I. Uh, you know, I I want to fast forward to Planned Parenthood versus Casey. 1992. Yeah, you're familiar with this one? So this is much more recent. This is within our lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to uh, share with me basically exactly how that kind of adds on to Griswold, Rowe, uh, Einstadt. So Planned, Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992. Supreme Court still upholds Roe. But it adds one more standard, and this is the one that has kind of plagued the system ever since, and that's what's called the undue burden standard, which is that states can restrict or regulate abortion further so long as that they don't provide an undue burden on the woman seeking an abortion. So before, the states couldn't do that. Now, the states can pass more restrictions even in the first trimester when they're supposed to be unrestricted, but... 
it can't be an undue burden. So that's where you get laws requiring waiting periods or like the transvaginal ultrasounds and forcing women to look at an ultrasound of, of their pregnancy. And the Supreme Court's held that those are not undue burdens. But um, like the, the surgery rights or the admitting rights in a hospital, that's one that's been kind of been fought back and forth. And some courts have said, yes, it's an undue burden. Others haven't. But, but yeah, the, the Planned Parenthood versus Casey allowed for more restrictions and opened the door to all these test cases that have that states have passed trying to restrict things further and further. So, so but that's so right now as things stand, Roe versus Wade says abortions are legal because it's covered under the right to privacy. And that right to privacy is within the penumbrums of the amendments. So you don't have an explicit right to privacy. The phrase right to privacy is not in the Constitution anywhere. Uh, yet it's covered by the amendments. And then you have Planned Parenthood versus Casey and the states. So the states can then regulate abortion, but they can't put undue burden. So they can't make it nearly impossible for some people. And it can't be discriminatory towards protected classes that it might be more difficult for one race or one religion to get an abortion at all. So we have different states that have different requirements to get an abortion. So you were just talking about some of them, whereas women have to wait a specific amount of time before they can get an abortion. In they some have, states. They have, in some states. They have to look at the ultrasound. Uh, what was the other one that you mentioned? Um, requiring abortion doctors to have admitting um, privileges at a local hospital. So what? It, um, uh, there's also some like where they, the some some ways that states attacked abortion clinics would be by mandating building codes for abortion clinics, where they would have to have hallways that were like as wide as hospital hallways, like maybe ten feet instead of the normal six or seven. Like there are all these kind of things that. Like, if you're in a hospital, makes sense, but an abortion clinic isn't a hospital, so, but they, they, they would try and make these rules that seemed kind of fair on the face, but were specifically targeted to shut down the state's abortion clinics. And then you've also got all these trigger laws, which basically say, hey, if Roe v. Wade will fall, like, we're just going to ban it entirely. And that's what you're seeing in Louisiana and Texas right now, among other states, but those are the two that are, like, on the top of my head. So, so how does Texas get away with banning it entirely under Roe versus Wade? No, it's if Roe versus Wade is overturned, then this law takes effect. Okay, but I thought. Wait, 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 oh, are you talking about how Texas? Texas well, are you talking about what happened in September with the yeah, the yeah. six week the six week ban and the private enforcement vigilanteism? Yeah. So, so basically, Texas said anybody. So first they set weeks. the limit to six weeks. It used to be 23 weeks. Under what, though? In Texas? Under Roe v. Wade. Okay. And In so the first 23 weeks, you could get an abortion. Okay, so the first, what's that, two trimesters? Yeah. yeah. So if you want to go with... And yeah. you just gave those exceptions. You just gave the exceptions. First trimester, it's there's no regulation. Second trimester, to protect the mother's health and safety. Third trimester, uh, it's not specifically banned, but states can have... Uh, rights with exception to life and the health of the woman. Yeah. So, but, but then that then that that line, health of a woman, 
is a tricky phrase because it may not necessarily mean her physical health. It could be interpreted as her mental health or yeah. you know, familiar health, like the, the health of her actual family. So that's a tricky phrase. So Texas yeah, said, we're going to dial this in. We're not dial not this in. just dial this in. We're going to dial this back to six weeks. And so what's important to note about six weeks is, one, most women don't know that they're pregnant until five or six weeks in. Like, even if you're After they eating on a stick period. every day, exactly. like, you you still might not even get, like, a positive pregnancy test until week five or six. Yeah, and so, so, so they, Texas they, they make no exceptions after week six. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. The answer is, no, you cannot have an abortion. And they made it that private citizens can sue anyone that knowingly aided or or abetted an abortion after six weeks. So that means that any doctor could get sued for $10,000, but it also meant that, like, if you called a, an Uber and went to an abortion clinic, and, like, the Uber driver obviously is going to know that you're going to an abortion clinic, like, in theory, that Uber driver aided and abetted your abortion. Exactly. So they didn't make it, they didn't ban abortions entirely, but limiting it to six weeks is a window where most people don't know they're going to have an abortion. And then they basically turned it citizens on each other to enforce it, which is, yeah. which is, which is really, in my opinion, really crazy. The fact that they're, they're letting citizens now police that. that I don't think any governments let like a citizens arrest a real thing. Yeah. In extremely narrow circumstances. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so, uh, Maybe next we could discuss some arguments that people have for being pro-life. Well, because the I think main argument, be... I, I think that there's a difference between acknowledging like that there should be restrictions placed on it, um, where like you say, hey, after the first trimester you shouldn't be doing it, or after the second trimester you shouldn't be doing it. Like, I think there's a difference between those people and the people that say under no circumstances. And for the people that say under no circumstances, their stated reason is life begins at conception and you are killing a baby. And that is rooted in, in what? They're, evangelical, they're believing, well, evangelical I think there would be fundamentalist two, religion. There would be two reasons. One, they just fundamentally believe that murder needs to be illegal and that is murder. Uh, or two... They believe that it's murder and that's rooted in religion because you could have somebody who's not religious believe that it's still murder and then murder is wrong. And and that's at the well, point of conception. I'm not religious, but I'm against murder. But I don't think my personal view is that it's not a person. So and that's that's also where it gets interesting because this six weeks mark is that where the, you can first detect a heartbeat is that why it's they said six weeks yes okay and it used to be at, at was there one I, I think at one point they were going to call it at some type of brain function but um yeah there was another one where like maybe at like 12 or 13 weeks where like they claim that the fetus had the ability to feel pain, which I'm going to call bullshit on, but... Yeah, and then, uh, so, yeah, but that would be some type of brain function. And really, that, uh, what most people consider is at viability. 
where where the fetus is viable, where the fetus can survive outside of the womb. Yeah. And to me, that to be to considered life, you have to be able to live, right? That would yeah. To me, that, that like viability of like, can it survive outside the mother? Okay, then then it's a person. Yeah, I think that that's that's a, a that would be a sensible line to draw because well, a heartbeat, and that's pretty much what Roe v. Wade did. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah, because that's about the six month mark, right? Well, yeah, that's that was their original basis was saying like when the fetus is viable, it's no longer allowed, and then they had to put some numbers to it. And I think a fetus becomes viable at the development of lungs, so it can actually breathe outside of the body because well, that needs, would make sense. It needs oxygen, so it has a heart, it has brain function, and it can breathe. Um, okay, so. Let's see. Uh, where should we Where should we hit next? Well, I want to uh, let's stick on the religion for a second because now okay. I can introduce my research. Because a lot of people think like, okay, if you're religious, you're against abortion, but it's really just a small segment. So because, wait, so you're saying that not all religions, James, are against abortion? Well, thank you for saying? leading me to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, Judaism and and Islam both allow for abortions um it, it's not as permissive as roe v wade is but um for for islam and judaism they both allow for abortions in what's effectively the first trimester and both of them use the same kind of not viability but um when does it become a person and for judaism and this is coming straight out of um the name of the paper is Abortion, the Jewish View, written by Rabbi David Feldman in 1983. And the definition of a person is, in the Jewish system, human life in this sense begins with birth. I don't think you can be more clear. Now, the, the, in the rest of the paper, he goes on to explain reasons why it's not permissible in certain circumstances, and timing issues and stuff but it's it's not expressly forbidden as it is in christianity where in fundamentalist christianity where from day zero or day one you're not allowed to so judaism it, permits it especially to save the mother's life because you have one life that is demonstrable and the other that is not until birth so you take the life that you have not the life that could be have you heard of the the term fetal personhood? Yeah, so, yeah, Louisiana is trying to do something with that right now. So that's basically when the fetus can be considered a person, but right, it's my understanding that that is uh, there's only fetal personhood uh when the fetus is viable outside the womb. Yeah, so in Islam, um when there is a threat to the woman's life because of the pregnancy, um, Muslims universally agree that the, that the mother's life takes precedence, precedence over the life of the fetus um, because the woman is considered the original source of the life while the fetus is only potential life. And in the first 40 days of pregnancy, um, it's, it's allowed by pretty much all, all sects of, of Islam. And then as you get once you get past 120 days, it's basically universally banned. And then between 40 and 120 days, it depends on the sect. But the important thing is that, like, 
other religions do not have this universal prohibition that you see coming from the fundamental religious right. Well, it's just when you start backing up the line where that fetus has personhood, right, where it has some type of, uh, it is some type of entity, right? Like it, it, it's, it's being protected. What is it that's being protected? So what, what happens is we bring that line back, right? You bring it back away from viability. You bring it to the ability to feel pain or some type of men, mental function. Then you back it up to some type of heartbeat. Then you back it up to what? When the sperm hits the egg? Yeah, when you have a fertilized and, egg. And, and then, then you but, can just be- but, but you could, but that argument still would become well. Then what about the potential for sperm, and what about the potential for eggs, and and then well, yeah. using any type of contraception, even condoms, is eliminating the possibility of the sacred right. So it's just it's a weird slippery slope to argue, which is why if the government has to make that call, I think viability, where it would be an entity that can survive on its own, obviously with lots of help from the hospital. <laughs> Um, I think that would make be a rational line to draw when for a government to make that decision. Now, right. individual religions can make their own decision, right? And so I think that's why, like, people get lost in this one. In that, like, your personal views are not necessarily a good foundation for public policy. Like, it and the idea is, and I'm going to compare this to gay marriage. If if you're pregnant and you're against abortion, don't don't have an abortion. If you're straight and you're against gay marriage, great. Don't marry another dude or another yeah. woman. Like, but if the you're point if is you're female, it's like people have their own because, right. Yeah. Yeah, but don't prevent other people from doing something just because you're opposed to it. Like no one's forcing you to do something that you are against. Well, if they make abortions illegal, women are going to have only three options. Well, and that's the counterpoint, which is that by, by making abortion illegal, you are depriving women of life and liberty without due process of law. Well, you're forcing them to give birth, and, and the argument would be that they could give up the baby after that. Oh, yeah. You want to get to this then? Uh, well, let me just hit the other two, and then, and then we can get to that. So but women basically have three options. They can have the baby. They can give birth. Uh, they can travel somewhere to get an abortion, or they can order the abortion pill on the Internet. And yeah, which some I, states are going to make illegal. And yeah, then but yeah, it would be illegal in that state, and of course, buying it on the internet would be illegal. And then just ordering drugs on the internet in general is like a shady business. Well, to that point, there are a couple nonprofits that are out there to assist women in these situations. Um, some of which you can go to the nonprofit and they'll ship you the pills. Um, others, the nonprofit have funds that will assist with like travel and hardship costs for women that have to go out of state. So there are some people out there organizing to help combat this, but it's still something that, in my view, those those charities shouldn't have to exist. Not not in this co- covert, like kind of dark, shady, dark web type space. And and that's I mean, these, kind of where they're forced. These charities to- are above above board like you can find them you can google them i think one of them is called the lilith fund yeah but 
but but you're supposed to be accessing them like secretly. So a a a government could say to their internet provider like you have to ban these websites, right? And then you're using a like a VPN or something. It then it just gets really it just gets that's why that's why I'm saying like this dark web like you're pushing people to really feel like criminals and really feel like they're, they're breaking the law. And that's where I think that gets a little funny. Uh, yeah, you but, could have some of these charities that are fundamental, like, uh, that are actually illegal within certain states. Yeah. Um, so, so being forced to give birth. So one of the articles that I read had the phrase, and I didn't, I didn't know too much about it. I, I was going to ask you about this, but there was a footnote in the opinion uh, that Judge Alito wrote, and it said something about the domestic supply of infants. Yep. And I just, I thought, I thought, you know, I didn't read the full statement, so... Uh, the so I've read, I've read that there's two or three footnotes that are all kind of related, one of which has the line domestic supply of infants, and it's related to a remark that um, Justice Barrett made during oral arguments about how um, now versus 50 years ago, one key difference is that most states have, like, safe haven laws where you can give up, like, if you have your baby, you can either just, like, leave it at, at a hospital. Fire, yeah, fire or, department or something. Fire yeah, th that you can give up your baby without legal repercussions. And that or drop the it on his doorstep, ring the doorbell, and run away. Yeah. Like Benjamin um, Button. But, and, and so her argument was that um, carrying a pregnancy is less harmful today than it was 50 or 60 years ago because you have ways of being able to give it up for adoption or give it to the government. And the, the, and it's really the, the, that reference of domestic supply of infants was a CDC study saying that like the number of babies available for adoption was low and to me, domestic it's, babies available for adoption. yes, domestic babies available for adoption is low, and if you don't really have to think too hard about why that's a terrifying statement, that like we need to force women to carry pregnancies to term because there's couples in the United States that want to adopt American babies and like soft parentheses white babies, and there aren't enough white babies to adopt. I wouldn't say necessarily that we're looking to increase the supply of white babies. Because, um, if you because, read the entire article, then well, you would have seen that like, when it comes to adopting babies, adoption agencies charge more for white babies than black babies. Uh, yeah, okay. So I, I, could, I could see how there would be like some supply. I hate to phrase it this way, but uh, some supply and demand influence over pricing. But I would also think that you would have more minority babies because those are the groups that tend to get the most abortions. Well, am, am I, I don't know. Am I accurate with that data? Because I feel like I, I heard that. I don't know. I want to read this comment real quick. Uh, Turtle of 38 says, there's so many sides to talk about on this one, and I could agree with so many. It would be nice to make it a private act and, and thought without government, uh, with a private act and without governesses on either sides. So, like, I don't see, yeah, I, I would agree. Like, why does government need to be involved in this when it should really just be between a woman and her doctor? Well, that's, that's the whole issue with the government repealing this, is that now the states can make it illegal across the board. 
Which some why, of them are going to. Yeah, and that's why putting in the state hands, there's no the states aren't equipped to deal with this issue because they just ban it. But I just want to go back and defend my statement because I feel like that could be misconstrued as a racist statement. I, I, it's my understanding that minorities are the ones that have the lesser access to the medical uh, care for pregnancies and for abortion services. Is that a safe statement? Did you, I did think you come so. I think, that I think that research? there's data that, well, you can just look at, like, so socioeconomically, like, the data is really clear that if that minorities are more likely to be, like, economically stressed and if you don't have as much money then you're less likely to have access to abortion in a state where um, the restrictions are high so in terms of like birth rates by race I don't have that data but what I can tell you is that if you had read the article about domestic supply of infants um, it was really pretty clear that like when it comes to domestic supply of infants that's parentheses white infants because there's there's still a supply of black babies according to this article so it's but it would be increasing the supply of domestic infants that which is yeah which, which is, yeah which going back to the handsmaid's tale um yeah but even what i think barrett's argument completely misses and this is super important and i linked another article about this is even if you can have the baby and give it up immediately for adoption or to the government with no consequences, having a pregnancy carries risk. It, it, it takes a physical and mental toll on you, and there are all sorts of potential consequences or complications of a pregnancy that you have to go through that you can avoid by having an abortion, and statistically... Abortion is safer than carrying a pregnancy to term. That uh, that is true. I, I read that, and but I think what you need, what needs to be underlined in what you just said is the vast amount of risk involved to the woman in giving birth. Like think and, about no. Obviously, medical science is better now than it was three hundred years ago. But what was the number one cause of death of women three hundred years ago? Childbirth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot of that had to do with like sanitation. Yeah, I'd say like the number two was probably like witch burnings, but. <laughs> um, so can, can can we just talk real quick about Starry Decisis? Uh, yeah, it's not getting a lot of respect right now, but. So Starry Decisis is the doctrine that courts will adhere to a precedent in making their decisions. So when a court faces a legal argument, if the court previously ruled on the same or something closely related, the court will make a decision in alignment with that previous decision. So yeah, it's stare a cornerstone decisis, of our legal system. So stare decisis, it, basically repealing, ro, re, repealing Roe versus Wade effectively repeals uh, several other cases as well that Roe versus Wade was based on. Well, and, and, and it completely ignores stare decisis. It completely ignores precedent. And really, if a court's going to ignore precedent, it has to do so for a very good reason. Like, well, an example would be Brown versus Board of Education um, overruling something like Plessy versus Ferguson, which allowed that, like, separate could be equal, that you could have states that would say, like, blacks only or white only. Like, Brown versus Board of Education also ignored stare decisis, but for very good reason in acknowledging that 
separate is not equal. So I just poured myself a little heavier of a glass right now because this is in the face of stare decisis. Now, I think they, they were they were looking at that separate but equal and straightening it out and saying, well, the separate part of it was wrong, right? The equal part of it was right. And, and you know, we now see things a little more clearly. However, this says what what Alito says is that Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. So basically entirely uh, outstandingly wrong. And he's equating Roe v. Wade in the same line as like the Dred Scott decision or Plessy versus Ferguson in terms of how wrong it was. But uh, implying that the Supreme Court has made an egregious error, this, my thinking is that his statement, in, that statement in itself, uh, basically is compromising his integrity. I would agree. He's, because he's saying that the Supreme Court has made a huge error, which then goes to imply that the Supreme Court is capable of making these errors. And it basically says that we can tear down any statement, any decision the Supreme Court has made. Well, if, I mean, that's it, always it, been the case where the Supreme Court can overrule itself at any point. But, um, but, but saying that there was an egregious error made, not saying this needs to be straightened out. You know, maybe we, we didn't foresee all the consequences of making this decision. What they said was this is a, a, a total error. Mm -hmm. And even though it's been in place for 50 years, uh, you know, it was completely wrong. Well, yeah, and that's a problem because there have been so many cases that have been decided using similar logic. So, like, I want to just go through some of the rights that exist today that could be struck down using the same logic of this draft decision. So we already talked about interracial marriage, Loving v. Virginia. We already talked about well, access but, to but, contraception. So hold on. Let's, let's Loving versus Virginia. That is based on the premise of privacy. Equal protection under law, too. Okay, but, but the privacy to someone's personal affairs, their, their marriage, basically. Yeah. But also equal protection under law of, like, why are we letting only white people marry? Like, that means that a white person and a black person are not treated equally. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so we already talked about Griswold versus Connecticut and the, the Aristotle one, which just said unmarried people, too. But mm -hmm. we also have, so Lawrence v. Texas was a 2003 case where Texas had state sodomy laws, um, and it made it so, like, having homosexual sex was criminal and it didn't matter like if you were consenting in your in your own house with the doors shut and the shutters closed criminal yeah it just it made gay sex completely illegal yeah so lawrence v texas was overruled for was uh struck down state sodomy laws on the same logic um, Obergfell versus hodges which is the decision allowing for nationwide gay marriage to take place that one is also based on the right to privacy and equal protection so we could very easily see gay marriage getting struck down at the state level we could see gay sex being criminalized we could see ivf and and contraception being banned at state levels hold on wait i want to talk about the ivf one second but okay so you you missed interracial marriage and then so why is ivf 
how does that how exactly is that illegal how would that be made illegal i'm, I'm curious that was the well, one that that didn't connect in my head louisiana is looking to do that and now under, if you were to ask me the justification for it i don't yeah. actually know okay yeah that was one that didn't quite make i don't sense. know why they would want to but it, it's on the books maybe because it's not natural no, not on the books yet it's 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 a proposed law okay okay um and Rosh says, what if sodomy is performed between a man and a woman? Yeah, also criminal, actually. Also criminal, yeah, very, very strange. Um, all right, what what else? Uh, were you, were you, were you, you had a few more you so, wanted well, to add the, to that? Yeah, so interracial marriage, access to contraception, access to IVF, access um, the protection from state sodomy laws, and ability to have gay marriage. And also another thing that's important is, like, if you if you have abortion as criminal, then like if you try and induce abortion on yourself, like the old coat hanger method, like that's illegal. So now every miscarriage could possibly be a criminal yeah, act. Yeah. And yeah, so even that, if that, any that... any risky behavior that you take while pregnant, let's say you're pregnant and you ride a motorcycle, is that endangering the, the life of the fetus? Yeah, really, really. Oh God. What if you're smoking? What if you're drinking? What if you smoke pot? Yeah. Uh, but also, yeah, the miscarriage, There's then there would be so much speculation over a miscarriage. Uh, that, that, that is crazy. Um, so, uh, let's see. And, and the thing is, this is always going to end up disproportionately affecting the society's least privileged because if you are rich and you live in the state of texas and texas bans abortion entirely and you want to have an abortion like it's going to be an inconvenience for you because you're going to have to fly out of state but you can afford to take a week off of work you can afford the flight you can afford the doctor's care and, whereas yeah, if and, you're and, poor you can't exactly and also no one's going to know you could be two months in you could be maybe even three months in, nobody senses anything, and then you just go on vacation to California or New York, and you can afford that. However, also, if, you're, if you don't have much money, you, then you have to take the risky behavior of connecting with the people around you who may not have the same values to try to get money from them. Mm -hmm. um, so look, you sent me this one Slate.com article, uh, and I think it was written by Dahlia Lithwick. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read a statement from her. Uh, she said, I think so much of the norm of care and solicitude about the justices who came before is gone. Respect for the people who crafted Planned Parenthood versus Casey that was deeply ingrained such that you don't just write an opinion saying, man, Roe was a shoddy piece of drafting. Man, Casey was capitulative and that was predicated on nothing. So what she's saying basically is you don't you don't write an opinion just calling other uh, other opinions shit. Yeah, there's a fundamental disrespect and, that's and, being paid in his draft opinion. And that's one of the things that particularly bothers me about this. Now, bear in mind, this was leaked. It was unlikely the public was ever going to see this, and maybe it would have been toned down. By... It's doubtful because, like, if you look at the document, so the formatting of the document, it, it, it looks 
just like what a real opinion would be. Yeah, but it, it didn't it didn't necessarily we, we don't know what would have happened to it. So we're, it's it is a bit unfair to speculate on. I did hear that the Roe opinion was also leaked. Did, I don't you, know. Oh yeah. And that also when the decision came out, I think one of the presidents died that day. It might have been like Lyndon Johnson or something like that. So the front page of the news was not about uh Roe versus versus Wade. It was more so about uh the president. So it, it didn't have as much of a block Buster, big splash uh, that, you know, that's kind of what's happening right now. And also news didn't circulate as fast. But you turn on any device right now, whether it's an iPad, a TV, a radio, they're talking about this right now. Um, and here's my opinion, because we're, we're rounding out the podcast here. Here's my opinion on where we stand with uh, Roe versus Wade and repealing it that uh, they're not ruling this based on whether or not they think abortion is good or bad. What they're, or they're, they're not taking that angle. What they're saying is that the decision to ban abortion in the past wasn't, wasn't a good decision. Basically, I mean, the that, decision to permit abortion in the past. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. So permitting abortion through Roe versus Wade was based on nuances and penumbras of the Constitution and the amendments, and that it should never have been explicitly allowed. So I don't think your conclusion's correct, because there's other parts in the draft opinion where he specifically talks about, like, the wickedness of abortionists. But but I, I think that would be the better conversation to have and I, and I think that you know, maybe there would be some chance that abortion moving forward that there might be some amount of pro-choice because that is a right the right to choose in some you know the uh, some type of pursuit of freedom of choice or something along those lines and that well, and that banning abortion uh, on the basis of murder doesn't count if it's before viability well and it, ultimately what the supreme court decision is going to do is kick it back to each individual state to regulate as it pleases so yeah. some states there's going to be functionally no change connecticut california new york your life's not going to be all that different texas north carolina florida louisiana Many south carolina states. yeah a whole bunch like of states, probably yeah. about 28 states or whatever your life might change considerably if this is an issue that ever comes up in your life uh yeah i'm curious what percentage of women have an abortion over a lifetime but i think it's i think it's a uh, not a not small. small number yeah can you search that real quick because yeah. i i'm i'm really the curious what that... on it. now you know you and i aren't the founding fathers but i think us having a conversation where we're trying to critically think and absorb the information is the conversation that the Supreme Court justices really need to be having and not this rooted in religious. 23.7% by age 45. So roughly a quarter of women, so between one in five and one in four women have had an abortion by the age of 45. That's a, that's a lot of women. Um, yep. Rosh has given you the same numbers. Yeah. So Rosh has the same numbers. Um, well, I think even referencing the founding fathers, like 
when when the founding fathers were writing the Constitution, you know how many rights women had? None. They used that, the word man across the board. Yeah, women were like you couldn't hold land as a woman. Like you you couldn't vote. Women had no rights whatsoever. So women were basically not even citizens. So saying that what the and and actually if you want to go with the founding fathers thing, like you can look uh, Ben Franklin in a textbook actually gives advice on how to induce an abortion, saying like yeah this like, might be needed. So even with zero rights, like at least one of the founding fathers wasn't opposed to it. But I would say the founding fathers' opinion on anything women's rights related. Um, you can just throw that right in the trash. I mean, this feels very dystopian. It, mm-hmm. it, 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 but again, you know, what I'm saying, I feel like the laws are infringing on the rights both ways. I'm talking about the ordered lockdowns that came from that. We, you, you're, you're saying no, because you're inclined to, because you're a liberal background, but the first place that shut down was China. No one. We've never shut down like that before. We got that from communist China. Okay, Lo- lockdowns, not a normal thing to ever have happened. No, they happened. They've happened before. Give me an example. The, Nationwide the Spanish lockdown. flu in like nineteen eighteen. Uh, I don't necessarily know that people weren't just more inclined to stay at home on their own for fear of getting sick. But and and people were dying at a a greater rate than they were with the coronavirus, but we took that, the media basically ordered us to do that, and we did it. And then you have eviction moratorium, where you have people who own property supporting other people out of their pocket. It's The eviction moratorium just meant that somebody had to go 20 months earning zero income. So I don't understand you know, what the, the connection my, my point is. Just these, is, is, is I feel like the are. rights on both sides are coming in. So you feel like the rights that we're talking about right now when it comes to abortion are being intruded on by the right. I'm saying I think we, we're they're closing in on us from every direction. And that's back to my beach rules sign. The sign just keeps getting bigger. Before long, they're going to be dictating how much space between your beach towels on the beach, whether you can lie in one direction or the other direction on the beach, whether you have to wear sunscreen on the beach, because they all make sense. They're all logical. They're all logical rules. But that sign just never gets smaller. And that's where I feel like we're really encroaching on the freedom. I know you don't necessarily agree with me on this one. But no, I don't. I I feel that from deep down inside that it just it, it's it's not it's very dystopian feeling to me. Um, what else? Uh, what else are we missing here? And we kind of touched should, on all no. the major issues. The I, I guess the question is twofold. One, is there going to be a shift in the in the final opinion that the Supreme Court actually issues in about four to six weeks? Is is the draft opinion representative of what the final decision is going to be, or will one of the justices that were that sided with Alito will one of them switch over to? Roberts and the liberal justices and come with a more measured response, which we're, we'll fully expect to see tailbacks in terms of what's allowed, 
but not a complete reversal of Roe. And then the, the second question is, for people that value women's ability to make these choices for themselves, where do you go from here to help improve the situation? What are the things that can be done? Because it's pretty bleak right now. So uh, I want to round out this. I want to talk a, a few more minutes on some of the things that can be done, because I think that that's actually a, a good conversation to have. We're going to drop the Instagram live stream in about 30 seconds. So if you're watching on Instagram, you can always join us on TikTok, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, or YouTube. So let's drop our uh, uh, Instagram live. And I want to talk right now. Adios, Instagram. I want to just finish with what could be done because oh, there's our... Yeah, first, we have to operate under the assumption that even if the exact language in the draft opinion isn't the final opinion, that the substantive conclusion is the same. Yeah, I think the language may not be the same, but it sounds to me, and they've been saying this for decades, that Roe versus Wade is going to be repealed. Uh, and there's been, and, that, and that's, it's been kind of like this slow, uh, like simmer. It hasn't come to a boil until now. Now it's really at a boil because we have Trump who really turned up the heat on this uh, with the Supreme Court nominations and the justices that have been uh, put in place. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's some fundamental bullshit here with somebody who lost the popular vote by like three million people getting to a point one third of the court in four years. And And also, this is a decision that the opposite, so two-thirds of the population think should stay in place. Uh, I'm, so I wanna, I'm curious the Catholic Church's opinion on uh, condoms, and then I'm also curious, I would, I'm very curious the Catholic Church's opinion. I wonder what the Pope is thinking right now, and if that would have any impact on... Well, he's probably asleep. Well, he, he is probably asleep. I think, what's that, six-hour difference, maybe? Six to Italy? seven. Yeah. Probably uh, six. But, I, you know, I'm very curious if the Catholic Church had something they in, interjected into this conversation. Well, in terms of where do we go from here while you're doing that research, I think one thing that's important to note is that for the sector of the right wing that had this as an important issue. They fought fervently for this for decades and kind of never lost focus of it. And I think the left, as they are often prone to do, got complacent. Yeah, well, that's that happens often with the left. That's almost and a character. I actually saw a really interesting uh, take as to why is it that conservatives so often find agreement and there is so much discord in the left in terms of what to do as a society and policy proposals and the answer i got that i saw was really good which was there's only one way to stay the same there are infinite ways to change uh, expand on that so if you boil liberal versus conservative values to okay. their very core it's 
conservatives want to keep things the same and liberals want to change things. There's only one way to stay the same. There's infinite ways to change. Okay. Uh, to clear up the condom situation, so the, the church said that it is the acceptable lesser of evils where there is a risk of HIV or AIDS contamination. So was, when was that changed? That has I, to have been a uh, November 23rd. Oh, that says 2010. So that was November 2010. Um, what do you get so, with the times? Yeah, uh, interesting. But I, I knew it wasn't too, too long ago. I thought maybe the last five to ten years. But, I, you know, it looks it's like it's close enough. So my thinking is that their argument against Roe versus Wade, the way that they made the argument saying that Roe versus Wade was, was egregious error and just really insulting the Supreme Court, which they are. Oh, um, let me give you – so Kevin is commenting, um, and – he knows a lot about the Catholic Church. He says, the current Catholic Church stance is that they're against all abortion unless the health of the mother is at risk. However, the current Pope has taken a less militant approach compared to Benedict XVI and John Paul II. So the current Catholic Church is actually more permissible to abortion than some of these states because they're at least allowing it in the cases where it might kill the mother. Wow. Okay. Uh, where, it, where it's to avoid killing the mother, yeah. <laughs> not that abortion will kill the mother. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but what I'm saying is that the fact that they're the Supreme Court basically is is tearing at itself, which I you know is I I think is really bad. I think abortion needs to be argued a different way, and and i think that there needs to be rights to i think the woman's right to choose needs to be somewhere in the constitutional amendments basically you know what the uh, chances of that happening are well at this point uh slim to none if not less but that's you know i i think it, i think it needs to come down to an argument about about murder and uh, and what you know, that's ending a false equivalency, though. But but that's but that's where the pro-choice argument wins, right? Yeah, because one's a person, one's not. But I think if if you meet anybody on the street and you talk to them about abortions and they say they're against abortion, they're not going to say because it it doesn't violate uh, someone's right to privacy. I think they're going to say because it's murder. Yeah. And that's that's not the conversation that's having that the Supreme Court is having right now. They're having a conversation about rights of privacies and penumbras. They're, no, they're they're justifying their decision that way. There's a difference between basing a decision on something and justifying a decision with something. Yeah, you know the decision, uh, not the, not the decision. Uh, the opinion was like eighty-three pages or sixty-three pages. You, Ninety-eight. It was it was an insane amount of yeah, a very very long decision, and arguably poorly written. Just I don't know. It's it's just it's very frustrating to see something like this happen. Um, 
I can't think of any similarities. Can you think of anything that would be similar that's that's happened? Maybe under Trump, something like this. Maybe. Um... So Rash brought, brought up a good point. What if a woman has many abortions because of her careless lifestyle? Uh, she just knows she can get rid of any baby without having to, to make any adjustments to her lifestyle. Uh, that doesn't really happen. Well, uh, it does. No, it really doesn't. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm positive it does because I know I know of people who have had multiple abortions who just sleep around and uh, just get the uh, contraceptive pill. Uh, you know, you're basically running around at at two o'clock in the you morning. You're talking about the Plan B. Uh, plan B. Uh, or, uh, you know, getting uh, an actual abortion, the abortion pill. So um, I wonder if Plan B would be uh, made illegal by in these states like Texas. Yep. Uh, wow, really? Yep. Yeah, that. Uh, so that they're basically equating Plan B with uh, the abortion pill. Well, think about it. So what Plan B does is... You've got a fertilized egg cell in the fallopian tubes. Yep. So plan B prevents the egg from implanting in the wall of the uterus. So if you have a fertilized egg, well, that's now a person. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. Um, but Because it hasn't grown into a human yet at this no, point. No, no, no. It, 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 life you, begins at conception. Therefore, have person, therefore, Plan B is preventing that person from living. Therefore, murder. <sighs> mm. I mean, I don't agree with the argument, but you can understand it. Yeah, I just I don't see much way around repealing Roe versus Wade. Like, I can't think of a compelling reason for them not to, based off this opinion, right? And that's that's what's really frustrating me right now. Well, Rosh is saying it's not a person according to Judaism. I'm like, yeah, of course, but like, what if you've got a state but according that to the people making the law, arguments, yeah, yeah, uh, like, like if if life begins at conception, then that egg that's twenty cells big in the fallopian tube is a person, and if you take a pill that prevents that egg from implanting in the uterus, then you have just killed a person. Yeah, um, I don't agree with it, but that's the conclusion. I had I had some weird thoughts on my on my commute home today about how giving so the Supreme Court basically giving a boatload of rights back to the states all of the rights that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. um, is I mean I feel like it's just going to bring us back like a hundred fucking years oh it totally will think about and, this so imagine a state passes a law that bans interracial marriage like it, it sounds far-fetched but let's imagine that like let's say you're married to a black woman and you go to on vacation to a state where interracial marriage is not recognized and let's say something happens and she's in the hospital so you want to go to the hospital to check on her but since you are not married to her because the state doesn't recognize your marriage, you have no visitation rights. Yeah. That, but what it made me think of was that the United States is going to end up so super divided. Mm-hmm. And 
that's not the job of the federal, you know, that's just Supreme Court shouldn't be creating divisiveness across the states. The, the Supreme Court was actually put in place to do the exact opposite. To settle and, disputes between states. Exactly. So, so that... That's one of its main roles. Yeah. All right, dude. I, I, I don't know much. I, I just can't see a way out of this, which is very frustrating for me. Um, and I, I, I got nothing else. I got nothing else. Um, well, I'm going to bring you back to the conversation we had on election night 2020. Okay, what was that? Um, how does building a compound somewhere in a Caribbean nation sound? <laughs> uh, it sounds like a really, really good idea. Um, you know, this country is not. Costa yeah. Rica is also appealing. Yeah, it's just it. It doesn't. Dave feel Chappelle like doesn't live in Utah. Dave Chappelle lives in Ohio. Uh, both four letter states, <laughs> but uh, um, it just feels like we're moving so fucking backwards. It's so it's so weird. Yeah. Uh, but look, on that note, uh. I'm going to end the podcast. I got nothing else to say. And I really feel stumped and I don't like ending on a stumped feeling, but I don't see any movement forward. So I'm going to thank you for your time this evening, James. I'm going to thank Rosh Galeb for his time feeding us your comments on uh, Facebook and Instagram and the other live websites. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and all audio podcast platforms. Thank you guys for joining. James, anything you want to add in the way out of here? I don't know. Uh, vote, vote out these these people that are restricting freedoms. Well, this is what happens when you when you vote someone into office who is so extreme with their rhetoric is they end up, you know, stacking the Supreme Court, which is wild yep. uh, because these guys are vote they're not vote they're not voted in. Supreme Court is not voted in, and they're in there for a lifetime. So we could be looking at. 40 more years of some of these guys, mm-hmm. uh, which, which is which is also fucking wild. All right. On that note, I need another drink, but adios. All right. Laters. This is the other end. This is the end. Thank you for making it this far into the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Share the podcast with anybody you think might be interested, especially when the topics are in line with uh, what their interests are. And uh, see you guys next time. Thanks again. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.